So as many of you guys already know, I am a huge fan of Korean dramas. And I have been not in the closet about it, but trying to suppress my urge to discuss them all of the time. Only to fail. And so here's another episode in which I talk about the Korean dramas that I'm watching, what I love about them, and what I don't love about them. So recently, I finished watching the drama called King the Land. I like to call it King the Land because that's how it you would say it because it's written in Hangul, um, the writing system of Koreans. So when you read in Hangul, I think it says like King the Land. And so I think it sounds better in Korean than in English because in English it makes no sense. Like King the Land. What is that? Does it make sense? But I was listening to somebody who was talking about how it might be a play on the word Wonderland. I don't know. That's not my problem. All I know is that as a native English speaker, I get really, really, really annoyed when people say things funnily in English. <laughs> Catch my pun. Um, <laughs> and it really gets on my nerves when people like are serious and they're like, okay, this is a title. This is a real title. And I'm supposed to take it seriously. And I'm just like, no, I refuse. So that's my little piece of resistance to everyday life. I just call it King Delando. Um, and so one of the things that I was watching, one of the things I realized after watching this show, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the, the ending, I'm going to talk about the ending right now. So one of the things that really irked me at, with the ending was that there was this wedding scene. And like he proposed to her earlier and it was so beautiful and they see the wedding. And like there was no wedding. And so... I talked about this on social media and people are like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? There was a wedding. I'm like, actually, if you look at it, there's no officiant. There was a man behind the podium who is the assistant to the male lead. And he says, okay, here comes the groom. And now for the, and the, the groom enters the room and like everybody's applauding all his friends and loved ones are there cheering him on. And he looks handsome and then he like takes his spot in the front of the room, Mr. 2 p.m. And then the guy behind the podium says, okay, and now for the woman of the hour, the bride. So the bride walks into the room. She looks beautiful, wearing a gorgeous dress. Her makeup is impeccable. And I love how they have like, like, um, what do you call it? Gas. I think that's not the word that you use. Okay. They've got gas on the floor. <laughs> I can't think of the proper term. But they have that like fake gas on the floor so that it looks like, you know, you look at, like you're in um in a wonderland, I suppose. So you can't see her feet. So we wouldn't know if she's wearing heels or if she's wearing gym shoes. So I'm like, I'm stealing that. King Delanda, I'm stealing that for my future wedding. That will happen one day. I'm going to have, you know, the fake the fake smoke. That's what it is. The fake smoke, that's the word. So they have the fake smoke billowing around on the ground. It looks so beautiful, very reminiscent of Crazy Rich Asians. I was like, oh, it's, she looks so beautiful. And then she walks to the front of the room and everybody's like cheering her on. Like, oh my God, he looks so beautiful. And she does and she sees him and she go, goes up to the front of the room and she joins him. And they look at each other. And they're like smiling at each other. They're so in love. They're looking so in love. And then... They stop looking at each other and they face the audience, the reception. And he takes his elbow out and he's like, shall we go? And she's like, anywhere with you. Oh, romantic. And then they both leave. 
And I was like, wait, you can't do that. Where are you going? There was no, nobody wedded you. Nobody married you. There was no ritual, right? Because we know that, you know, anthropologists have studied weddings in societies and non-Western societies for over a century at this point, as well as sociologists. And what we know is that weddings are really, really important um, rites of passage in societies, much like funerals or births, right? That, or birthdays, right? That we have across societies, when people are moving from one stage of their life to another, it's usually marked by some sort of a rite, or sorry, some sort of a ritual or several rituals involved, right? It's a rite of passage. So the transition from life to death, for example, how do we, what is our rite of passage that we, you know, how do we demarcate in a, a person's life in which they move from life to death? We have a funeral, right? And a funeral has some sort of recognition of the dead person, how they lived, how they died, what have you. There's usually a series of rituals involved, no matter where you are in the world. And for example, in many African societies, including in Igbo culture, when somebody dies, um, you celebrate their life. So there'll be a big party where people will sing and well, people will dance to music, eat a lot of food, mourn and cry, of course, but also like just be joyous about the person's life. And it's it's something that's expected and it's something that is very structured. In the United States, when people pass away, depending on what culture group you're a part of, there will probably be a funeral of some sort, right? There'll have a, there'll be a ceremony which um, a religious figure will talk, you know, in a church, in a synagogue, in some sort of place of worship. Uh, a religious figure will talk and people might be able to see the, you know, the person lying in state, meaning that their dead body is there for everybody to see, right? So that's something that we are used to seeing. It's a rite of passage, moving, uh, demarcating the passage of time, uh, the passage of from life to death. And there's different rituals involved, right? So maybe, maybe the mom will come up, oh, God forbid your, your mother, your, your, your child dies before you. Let's not talk about that. But let's say like the children will maybe speak say something nice about the person. Somebody might tell jokes about like how they made them laugh. Somebody else might talk about their accomplishments, right? There might be um, uh, an event. Somebody will probably not like walk in wearing roller skates and dancing. I mean, there's particular rules to how you do a funeral, at least in the United States depending, of course, on which culture you're a part of what, or what subculture you're a part of. But we also mark things like birthdays, right? When somebody is born, like, yay, if a baby's going to come, we might have several rituals, like a baby shower, or we'll celebrate, okay, we have to, you know, get, get gather our gifts together for this baby that's going to join us. Or you might have, um, and after like a certain amount of time, maybe it's 100 days, Maybe it's a year. It'll be the baby's first birthday. Yay. And you have a birthday cake, right? A birthday is something that is set aside. It's special. It's some people would say even holy, right? And it demarcates a passage in a person's life from one year to the next. Okay, so it's a rite of passage mark, um, celebrating birthdays. In the United States and in a lot of Western countries, you have to have several 
rituals such as singing happy birthday to you happy birthday to you right and and it's so funny how many countries have translated happy birthday to you to their own country so shout out to the mexicans with their las mananitas they're like yo we have our own song good for you mexicans have your own song that is not happy birthday to you feliz cumpleaños a ti cumpleaños feliz depending on where you are it'll be one song or the other but mexicans are like no las mananitas right that's got to be sung on your birthday. There'll probably be a cake, right? There'll probably, in our pre-COVID days, there would be candles that we put on the cake, right? And the person, and the candles will demarcate the person's birthday or the birthday that the person who's celebrating wants everybody to think that they are, right? That's a whole other thing. But there'll be candles that are lit and people blow out the candles, spreading their sputum all across the cake and everybody pretends like that's perfectly normal <laughs> pre-covid <laughs> right the, sometimes people the, the birthday person cuts the first slice of the cake right so i say all of this because when we think about weddings there's some sort of there are usually rituals involved when we think about a traditional korean ceremony right there's particular garb that's worn, right? There's usually an officiant. In most weddings, there's usually an officiant. Somebody who's like, okay, I am here to marry these people, right? When I think about um, Igbo weddings, for example, there's different rituals that are part of the traditional Igbo wedding in which, for example, the um, bride will go to her father who will give her a cup of wine and the girl will take the woman will take a sip of the wine and then she will go and find her husband her, or excuse me she'll find her groom to go give him the wine glass to drink the rest of it wine glass slash goblet slash red silo cup right it is <laughs> whatever you have on you right but the thing is that the groom is hiding and all the groomsmen and the guys around are going to try to sip from this girl's cup right they're going to try to sit from the bride's cup as her job is to keep these other groomsmen or these other men that are present at the ceremony from drinking the cup until she finds her man. And when she finds her man, she gives him the cup and he drinks the rest of the wine. Okay. That is one of the rituals that are involved. When we think about weddings, Christian weddings often take place in a church. Um, I think I was reading about how in Greece, the bride and the groom get to wear crowns. I was like, I want to wear a crown on my wedding day. I want to be a queen. And have my man be the king. That'd be so awesome, right? They place the crowns on the bride and groom's head for the ceremony. And so in the United States, there is usually an exchanging of rings. The husband places his ring on the wife's finger. The wife places her ring on the husband's finger. And everybody's favorite part at the end is when they say, kiss the bride, right? And then they kiss, their holy kiss, sealing the marriage deal, right? That, so, and this is a rite of passage because it demarcates a couple who is single, who are fiancés, to moving to being husband and wife, okay? So that is why a wedding is a rite of passage, so when I saw King Delanda, I was like, yo, there is no rite of passage happening. There were no rituals. Were there symbols? Absolutely. The wife, the um, 
the bride's dress, the white dress, right? In the West, we know that as a symbol historically of virginity. And so I think in, um, since I think the 50s, some women don't wear pure white, they'll wear an ivory or like an off-white <laughs> wedding dress. But a lot of people just ignore that. Like, whatever, you know, we're, we're all adults here. <laughs> or many of us are adults here. But it's the 21st century. So often the wife, the, the wife-to-be, the bride, will wear a white dress. Usually there will be bridesmaids and groomsmen, right? So there's the particular symbols of, oh, if you wear a wedding dress to go to Dunkin' Donuts, people are like, that is not normal. Like, wedding dresses belong at weddings, which is why if you think about that film, The Graduate, right? Where at the end of the film, when the um, Dustin Hoffman's character, is that his name? He essentially steals the bride from her own wedding and they end up on a bus together and he's wearing a suit and like, I think he's wearing a suit. Oh, he's at least wearing a blazer and she's wearing her white wedding dress and they're both on the, at the back of the bus as Mrs. Robinson plays. And they look so weird because she really is a runaway bride and you're not supposed to wear a wedding dress on a bus. It looks out of place, right? So a wedding dress is definitely a symbol of a particular event but we see King Delanda there is no ritual there's nothing the only thing that might count as a ritual is the entrance of the groom and the entrance of the bride right it's something that happens they have to enter right but there was no officiant there was nobody who said okay and now we are marking the passage of you moving from fiancés to husband and wife. Nobody said anything. So this is why I argue that in King Delanda, they're not married. There was no wedding. Oh no, there was a wedding, but there was no marriage. They're still fiancés. They're still fiancés. That's my thought as a social scientist. Like, where were the rituals? And I'm sure, and we know like, there are different symbols, there are different rituals that take place in weddings around the world. But I'd love to hear what you guys think. Like, what were there rituals? in that marriage ceremony was there a ceremony because i did not see any ceremony that marked something of people moving from one stage of life to the next so the reason i even brought this up is because this is something that has gnawed on me for a while when watching korean dramas i think that something similar might have happened in what's wrong with secretary kim which they get married at the end and i could be wrong somebody let me know where I felt like at the end of the show when they get married, I was like, there's something that was off about the ceremony. And so I was talking to a friend of mine who doesn't watch K-dramas. I was like, you know, there's this thing that happened in the show I saw King Delanda. And she's like, well, maybe it's because these are people who are not used to seeing weddings that are Western style. Because it was, it was not a traditional Korean wedding. So maybe the, the people who are making this show are like, this is what we know of Western weddings. That there's a dress and there are people. And I was like, uh, maybe, I don't think so, but maybe. I think that a lot of us have seen enough weddings in Hollywood and also like Koreans are real people who live in the real world and have been to real weddings, right? <laughs> Including um, traditional weddings, but also um, Western style or Christian weddings um, that involve a minister or some sort of officiant. So when I was watching, I was like, where is the officiant? Is there like a justice of the peace? 
for those guys who might not know, when people get married in Korea, you have to register your marriage with the state. I think that's true in most societies in the 21st century, that you can't just be like, yeah, we're married in our heads, in our minds, in the eyes of our community. I mean, maybe in remote places, but in most places, you have to fill out paperwork with the state so to let them know that you have married somebody. For many people, you'll end up changing your name, especially if you're a woman. And in a lot of places, there are tax incentives to doing so. So I live in the United States where people who are single and people who are married get taxed differently. So there's definitely a tax incentive to have your marriage recognized by the state. And we see, we've seen this in the case of members of the LGBTQ plus community who in same-sex marriages, where people are like, yo, we've been together for years and years and years. We want to dedicate our lives to one another. But we don't have the benefits that other married folk get, and we want it. And they fought for it, and they got it, right, from the Obama presidency. And so all this to say that, is it a cultural thing where people are like, oh, no, 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 we cannot fake officiate a marriage, otherwise people will think that this couple is really married. Or we cannot fake officiate a marriage because of some custom that occurs in our society that prohibits even the hint of pretending to get married, right? I know. I'd love to know what you guys think. Thank you for listening to Dr. Chi's Salon. You can follow me on Twitter at Chinyaro Suji. And you know, if you have any questions for me, you'll feel free to DM me and I'd love to hear from you.